Hey, Josh Felber here. Today's episode, amazing. Lifelong entrepreneur started his first business building speaker systems at nine years old, 3,500 products later, seven to 10 different startups later, Bob Mesta, amazing guy, tons of insight, super excited to have him on today's episode. It's going to give you a ton of information on how to help you can grow your business, how you can make sure you are attracting the right customers, as well as how to be an innovator. And he's got a new book that he's dropping, so learning to build. Super awesome. Check out today's episode with Bob Mesta. Hey, thanks for watching the show. Make sure you subscribe, share this with tons of people, your friends, family, whatever that may be, anybody you think this episode can help, as well as the other episodes of Making Bank. And don't forget about if you want some awesome, amazing clothing, soft, comfy t-shirts, hoodies, whatever that may be for you, whether it's gratitude quotes, sayings, freedom gear, show your American support, go check out gratitudegear.com. Again, check out gratitudegear.com and use the code MAKINGBANK in the number 10, MAKINGBANK10 for 10% off your order now. You are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. So I talk about the, there's a difference between an inventor and, and an innovator, right? Mm, an, an inventor okay. has to create a unique way. They have Their stuff is usually patentable, right? And that, sure. that's unique and protectable. But the fact is, is it's just a, a different way of doing something. And so part of this is that to me, what innovation is about is it's about actually helping a large group of people basically make progress in their life. And so part of this is that most people come up with the idea, and I always think of ideas are really, really cheap. Like everybody can come up with ideas. There's thousands and thousands of ideas, right? But the ones that really hit are the ones that actually land on something where people want to do something, but they can't. And mm. so part of this is to be able to figure out kind of where are those moments where people are struggling or people want to do something, but they can't, and then ultimately figuring out how to design something to fit into their lives. Right. A, a simple example of that is I worked with a company called the Southern New Hampshire University. I don't know if you've seen them on TV or anything like that, but but yeah. they I started talking to them back in 2010 when they had about 500 online students. And we figured out, like, how many people want to go back to college but can't? <laughs> and can we figure out a way to actually help them do that? They now have 200,000 students globally. Wow. <laughs> And so you start to realize like it's it's not focused on like so so what we did is we figured out what caused those 500 people to, to literally say I'm going to pay to go back to college but I'm never going to come to campus. We end up figuring out how they actually why they did that, what they did it for and what they were willing to pay and then we found other people willing to do it. And the in the first year we went from 500 to 10,000. <laughs> Right? It was just that many people. So you start to realize it's a much larger market when you say how many people want to go back to school but can't. All right, now sure. I can actually go build something. So th that's where it starts. And I usually, again, as an engineer and a, I'll say a technologist, I love technology, but at the same time, I, I'm very prone to over-engineer everything. And as Jason <laughs> Fried has, says, he goes, you're better off with a kick-ass half than a half-ass whole. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> so, so, you know, as you meant, you know, taking Southern New Hampshire and yeah. growing that, obviously yeah. you've uncovered social motivation or what, you know, something behind the buyer's purchasing decisions. Right. You said you went to, you know, train with the criminal 
side of th- justice side of things to figure out yep. and help make sure you ask the right questions. What's yep. kind of a process, you know, somebody watching that they can go through to help uncover, yeah. you know, some of what those purchasing decisions, social yep. motivation is. So, so one of the things I, I did is I actually I wrote a, another book or I got another book that was actually before this one called Demand Side Sales. And it's about understanding, like, think of this, you go to business school and, and there's actually no sales professors. How is that possible? Right. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. And so what, what I did is I actually documented the process to figure out on how to, instead of selling, how do we just help people buy? And so in that book, I actually outlined the entire process of how I go about actually understanding what, not, not what, how I want to sell, but how do they want to buy? And ultimately, mm. how do I then design the sales process to mimic the way they want to buy? And in it, it's all about interviewing 10 people, not a whole lot, but just very few people and understanding the causation. What caused them to say, today's the day I, I want a new mattress? What caused them to say, today's the day I want to go back to school? And you don't talk to people who want to do it. You talk to people who did it. And when you find those people, then you can actually say for every one that made it, there's a hundred, a thousand, a million behind them who want to do it, but they haven't figured it out. And that's how I actually f- build product all from that basic premise. And it starts by having very like one hour conversations about behavior, a story extractor to extract what caused them to say today's the day that they're going to stop doing something and they're going to do something different. Mm. And it's very, very, it's, and, and it, uh, it's all based. So the, the, the best book that I could recommend on, on learning these questioning techniques is called never split the difference by Chris Voss. It's just yeah, it's an amazing, Chris. it's more or less what I learned almost 30 years ago. But at the same time, it's one of those things where you start to realize like, it's like, those are just really good techniques and, and methods to actually understand what people are saying and what they mean. No, hey, Chris is awesome. He's been on the show before. So guys, go check out Chris Voss's episode oh, yeah, of Making Bank. Awesome. <laughs> you brought him up. His book is great. And we do, we, we, we jump into some of those questions and everything in there. Obviously, you know, with your new book coming out, Learning to Build, right in the beginning, I remember, I was trying to remember back, is you guys talk about the whole, the, the mention the matrix and the whole yeah, red yeah, pill, yeah. blue pill analogy. Yeah, what yeah. kind of that, what do you mean? Or why is your yeah, book kind of that so, red pill? So this is one of those things where, where what, I, what I did is, so I'm 57, going to be 58 soon. I'm on my way kind of to, I would say, retirement or what's next in a different way. I think it's more about <laughs> teaching. So I'm, I'm now at Northwestern at the Kellogg School and I'm uh, teaching there as well. And, and, and what I did is I kind of took a step back and looked at all my, I have over 870 notebooks from all, from all the way back from when I was a little wow. kid. And I, I was, as you, as your, as my uh, youngest just graduated from college, it's kind of like, what am I going to do with all this stuff? And so I, I went through it and kind of looked at it and said, what did these people teach me? And what did I learn how to do? And then I actually took like the, the top 20 innovators I worked with throughout the last 30 years and said, what do they know how to do that, that literally people aren't talking about? And so it, I came back with this, this five bedrock skills of innovators and entrepreneurs. And most people think about it as a process or, a, you know, it, it's like, you know, a, a tool, but I think of it as skills. And so the five skills are things like one is empathetic perspective. A really good innovator or entrepreneur can see things from other people's perspective un clouded by their own judgment. Like they can actually play the role of somebody else and they can see around corners because they can connect the dots between different perspectives. What's finance going to say? What's the customer going to say? What's the, what's the supplier going to say? What's the, you know, all these different perspectives you can actually kind of put together. Really good entrepreneurs can do that. Another thing is that they, good entrepreneurs and, and, and innovators, they can actually uncover demand. 
What's interesting is most people think product causes demand, but demand exists whether there's a product or not, because it, it, it's all rooted in this notion of struggling moments. And so intuitively, most entrepreneurs and innovators know how to see where people struggle and know how to talk about the problem to solve or the progress to make. And mm. then you start to realize like that's, that's a really key skill. A third one is really about cause and effect and that they, they, they understand the difference between correlation and cause and effect. And they have mental models to understand how things work and they're curious to find out how things work, right? And, and then fourth one is basically prototyping to learn. What's so interesting is that a lot of people prototype or they do A-B testing. And what you start to realize is that most of the time you're just testing what you believe right? Or what you think is right, like hypothesis mm. testing. And I always say, look, I'm not smart enough to have hypothesis yet. I got to go actually go prototype so I can learn. And so it's methods and tools to actually go figure out how to use prototypes to show me what I don't know or uncover the unknowns, as I call them. And then the last one is, and this is kind of the most crucial one, is really good innovators and entrepreneurs know how to identify and manage trade-offs. They know how to actually decide what not to do, Right. And you start to realize that that is actually a very, very important skill. And when you talk to entrepreneurs and you can see how decisive they are and it's, you know, truly being successful in a, a, as an entrepreneur, like you, you have to say no, probably a hundred times more often than you say yes. And so mm, you have to right. be able to understand that balance between when you say yes and when you say no, and being able to have tools and methods to actually help you build that skill of knowing how to manage the trade-offs is, is crucial. And so I kind of packaged that all up and kind of wrote it in a book and then told, told it from the perspective of what I call young Bob, which is when I was young and how naive I was and how I thought about things to enlighten Bob of how I actually approach things now. And so it's that whole contrast of what are those five skills and how do we learn them? And we all have them, but the, it seems like most entrepreneurs and innovators are at a completely different level than most people. No, that's so true. And you mentioned, you know, the trade-off and, you know, that's a super important skill. Kind of, can you got to expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. So, so think of it as, as, as most people think about, like, if you're building a software product, right, there's all this feature creep. It's like, oh, we got to add this. We got to add, you know, we could add this. We could add that. Knowing what not to do and knowing where to stop and like uh, that whole aspect of how to create the kick-ass half as opposed to the half-ass whole. So, for example, at Basecamp, one of the things people talk about all the time is, you know, I'd love to have a Gantt chart. I'd love to have resource allocation. I'd love to have all these other things. But one of the reasons why Basecamp is so successful is the fact that it's actually so simple your grandmother can use it. And if I start to add all these other features, I actually start to alienate the low end of the market. And so you start to realize that you have to make that trade-off that if you listen to your best customers, they usually actually take you out of the market that you're in. And so part of it is knowing what not to do to make sure that you can actually focus on the market that you're trying to help. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.